in the house. Let me hear your bark. Let me see your bite. Let me see your scars. You know what we about. Come see us in the yard. Hello and welcome to All We Hear is Purple, we're the third or fourth most mediocre Husky football podcast on the entire internet. I am Andrew Berg. I am traveling. I have bad equipment and bad internet access, so bear with us during this uh, technical difficulties week. Joining me without any technical difficulties is Gaby Lucas. Gaby, how's it going tonight? Hello, it's me and my $20 microphone. That was a condition of me. I strong-armed our managing editor, Max, two and a half years ago when SB Nation was like, please do a podcast. And he was like, will you do a podcast? And I was like, no. And he was like, will you do it if I buy you this $20 microphone? And I was like, still no. And then he was like, but please. So That's what I was waiting for. So yeah, no technical difficulties here or ever. Well, let's... Talk a little bit this week, start talking a little bit about Colorado. We'll talk a little bit about the coaching search, but spend most of the time on Apple Cup because I think that's what people care about at this point, are interested in, in what's left of the season. Uh, but first of all, Colorado game is interesting in a sense that we've had so many games that look exactly like each other, and this one was different. Like the offense moved the ball a lot as opposed to many games where we moved the ball not at all. Uh, the defense was actually quite good. Uh, both against the run and against the pass with a couple of minor exceptions, but really looked quite good. Uh, but the, the big issue was turnovers, turned the ball over four times. So even though we had two and a half times as much yardage as Colorado somehow still managed to pull out the loss. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything to say about this game other than just like dry heaving, uh, thinking about it? It was, it was really disgusting to watch. It was, I mean, my thing is at, at a certain point, it just became so in, like batshit insane. No, I'm like, I don't even like, I don't even care anymore. This is just funny. Like, it'd be one thing if we were like 11 and, or 10 and one and, you know, <laughs> looking to finish off strong. Uh, but because the season was already a wash, like everything that was going on was just so nuts that it was like, I don't care. It was funny. I don't care. I don't like, <laughs> like our coach is already fired. It's not like we're going to retain Bob Gregory as head coach after this. So like, what are the stakes? There's not really any stakes. So honestly, at a certain point, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to have fun watching them convert third downs for the first time all year. All like, like reliably converting third downs for the first time in years, period. Um it felt like what I imagine Penn State fans felt watching the 2017 Fiesta Bowl, except for um, without being able to score at the end of it. Uh, and just the incongruity of everything going on was genuinely, it, it, was, it was both torturous and entertaining. I don't think there was a game that was more sickos mode than that all year. Yeah, I think that's true. And one of the things that makes me think of is the, the highs and the lows of that game <laughs> had a lot to do with Dylan Morris, who honestly kind of feels like dead man walking in our yeah. roster right now. Oh, totally. Like, uh, it, it's kind of hard to imagine him ever being more than it, it, it seems like by far the most likely trajectory for him at this point is losing the starting job in the Apple Cup, probably not playing another down um, in the Apple Cup, and probably transferring for the year, which you know, if he decides to go a different route, welcome him back, but probably not as the starter. So 
the fact that somebody who doesn't really have a future with the program is essentially deciding the game with his either alternately really good or really bad play just kind of feels irrelevant. It's like mm-hmm. this year isn't going anywhere. And what we're watching has very little impact on what we're going to see in the future. So like whatever meaning you can define from this is very uh, minimal. And, yeah. and it's not even like Colorado it probably kind of feels like the least Pac-12 team in the entire conference. Like Utah kind of has been successful in the conference and kind of built up a friendly rivalry with them. I don't even feel that way about Colorado, even though we played them in the conference title game. It almost felt just like, it almost kind of felt like a bowl game where yeah. you go six and six and go to the like famous Idaho potato bowl. And you're like, Oh yeah, we did play them one year in a bowl game. Like it just, it's, it's just going to be a game that's easily forgotten. I think. Yeah. The one thing I did enjoy about that game is just being able to watch like the receivers and Devin Colt, like step up and actually like they were genuinely fun to watch. And then the rest of it was just like, well, this might as well happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very true. It, that's a good point there were some bright spots around the roster receivers were probably uh cheap among them and i I thought the secondary played great Mm -hmm. although that also probably doesn't mean much for the future because the stars of the secondary are mcduffie and kyler gordon will probably be early round draft picks uh in the spring and won't play for uw ever again either so it's it's all kind of a uh, losing battle although defensive line showed some promise as well so um I, i think that's uh so, you know, whatever you want to take away from it, that's fine. But it's hard to get too worked up about a game that has such low stakes. Let's talk a little bit about where we stand with the coaching search. I don't really have anything else to add about Colorado. Like I said, I think I'm going to quickly forget the game. And the less said about it, the better, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Although, I will say before we move on, I have I love Folsom Field. There's something about the way that, like, the light in that stadium and playing the day games. It looks great on TV. Maybe yeah. better than any other Pac-12 stadium on TV. It just like it works really well. I definitely, I yeah, I've never been there, but I really, I do like watching games there for sure, and I do want to go there definitely. Every year that's on, or every other year that's on my list of oh, I should really try to get to that game. Glad mm-hmm. I didn't make time for it this year because it would have been a bad time to travel for that game. <laughs> very, very bad. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the coaching search. We don't have a lot of new news from last week. Um, it seems, you know, the things that we have learned so far are more like dominoes falling in other places and getting idea an idea of what the market is looking like. Uh, James Franklin re-upped with uh, Penn State for a bajillion dollars for um, one and a half millennia, I think, was the terms of the contract. It's actually a, a 10-year contract, which is now somehow just becoming normal, um, which scares the hell out of me that if we have to hire somebody to a 10-year contract what that might end up looking like in three years if it's not going well. Um, the, uh, I, I just saw right before we started recording, Hugh Freeze got an extension at Liberty for $4 million a year, which is mind-boggling. That's like the middle of the Pac-12 for annual value, and it's Liberty, uh, which is a like Trump University fraud college uh, <laughs> that <laughs> run by somebody who's broken every recruiting rule that was ever written just yeah. for fun. Uh, and but, by the way... It scares me a little bit. Oh, go on. Well, it just scares me in terms of what we're bidding against because clearly we're not the only school who has boosters stepping up to the table for big checks right now. Yeah. And also if anyone anyone uh, 
actually, no, I'm not even going to say anything. I, I do just want to say, though, that to anybody who's listening to this, and even though we mentioned technical difficulties, anyone who's listening to this and is like, wow, it sounds kind of funky coming from uh, uh, from Andrew said, I just want to paint a picture for you that, like, imagine all of the Blair Witch Project, but um, it's somebody with a Mariners t-shirt on right now, and that's, like, what... <laughs> that's what we're looking at right now i wish that i wish that podcasts were a more televisual medium because really the essence of uh, everything that we're recording right now can't be summed up with only the uh, mediocre audio that's coming from one direction it's true although i will say there are a few things i would guess that are more relatable this time of year than struggling with your extended families or in my case my parents really poor wi-fi and has like three signal boosters and somehow none of them work. <laughs> Wherever you go in the house, you somehow drop every network and have to like log in and put the password in again every time. I don't even know like what type of technology this is, uh, but we are getting through it. Um, anyway, the coaching discussion, uh, as I Blair Witch my way back somewhere, meander toward the topic. Um, the, the one story that did catch my eye, I think this came from ESPN, was they seem to postulate or maybe have a source indicating that uh, Matt Campbell and Dave Aranda uh, are at the top of the list specifically for Chris Peterson, um, and he's functioning as an advisor in the coaching search. I, you know, my only reaction to that is like, cool. I knew I, I that guy was smart. Like I had a feeling he understood football because those <laughs> also seem like really smart, level-headed head coach candidates. Um, has, has your has your thinking evolved at all in the last week or so? Any any new ideas that have changed your opinions about coaching search? Yeah, um, I mean, not significantly, not like changed exactly what I think, but I think the magnitude of my opinions from last week to now has been altered. Like that's the main thing. I, I think obviously I'd I'd like Aranda. I think he's probably a US. I mean, I I don't think I I think everybody thinks he's a USC guy. Like that'll happen. Uh, but since we talked last week about Campbell and about how you know the like Iowa State having a somewhat of an off year, but the more I think about it, the more I want him more than anything else. <laughs> and it's really like like I just I keep, but I'm not allowing I'm not allowing myself to get my hopes up. But he seems like such a like he just seems like an it getter. Like he, 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 like what you want. I mean, he always fields solid teams. Like yeah, sure they, they lost more than they should. They ideally should have this year, but they're still even with that. Like they're still overperforming their talent level, and they were massively perform overperforming it. Um, it's just like everything about him is so Peterson ish, but without maybe being as conservative as Chris Peterson. Um, you know, I mean, you know, that's it depends. You know what you're talking about you know, whether that's philosophy, like culture philosophy or on field offensively, defensively, blah, blah, blah. But, um, but yeah, the more, the more I think about it, the more I'm really hoping that this kind of off, off, I don't mean off, not off season, but off space season for Iowa state will maybe take a little bit of the shine off of him for some of like bigger jobs that he otherwise would be open for, because really the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, please, 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 please give me this. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, and similarly, we talked about Kalen DeBoer and I, I do think if, if like we can't get Campbell or, you know, like the top guys, I think he's somebody that I would be more comfortable with than a lot of the other like smaller program names. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, there's not any, there, I don't have like a huge change of heart or anything from, since from last week. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And I, I think one of the things that also makes it feel kind of like a, the wanting to hear something about Campbell is just how silent it's been from mm-hmm. other schools connected to him. Because I mean, so far the other programs that big schools that have openings, I guess Florida, we didn't talk about before, Dan Mullen just got fired this week, LSU, uh, USC, could all theoretically be as interested in Campbell as we are. I mean, none of them are, none of these four schools are close to uh, Ames, Iowa. Uh, I, I guess it's somewhat fortuitous that Franklin State at Penn State and uh, Mel Tucker State at Michigan State for another zillion dollars, uh, just because those were Midwestern destinations that could theoretically have been a natural draw for him that didn't end up manifesting as openings. And it seems like the only like truly national school that has expressed any interest in Campbell this year has been us. Uh, and if that's true, and it's also a good time for, them to, for him to leave Iowa State because the Big 12 is taking a step back as a major conference, it's promising. It seems like a good time to take advantage of an opportunity. So hopeful in that regard. Um, for me, I, I agree that those are kind of the top tier guys. I probably would have put Bob Stoops in there, but it sounds like that's that yeah. ship has sailed. I, I always thought that was. Uh, so I, I mean, I, I, I never really bought that. Either. Yeah, same. I, I, same thing. But I mean, I, I, I did. I would have been equally excited about him as I would have the others. And then the next tier for me is probably headlined by DeBoer. Um, I, I'm I'm a little partial to Kalani Sataki from BYU. I think he's done a lot of good things at that school and just when I watch them play they have a lot of marks of a well-coached team like they're very organized they very rarely make self-inflicted mistakes um hasn't recruited the best but it's hard to do that at BYU um and then you know kind of the lower tier beneath that is probably where I'd put somebody like Wilcox uh, most of the other Mountain West coach candidates um but yeah I, I those are even the backup plans are clear clear step below the Campbell tier yeah. And for what it's worth, I feel like Wilcox to me is like the not great version of Stoops where like rumors kept were are, are yeah. slash were floating around. But I at, at zero point have I felt like that's like legit been in the realm of possibility. Like it seemed very clear to me that Wilcox, his agent, John Wilner, like it felt like yeah. all the Wilcox information was like clearly coming out from Wilcox's camp in the same way that I feel like like Bob Stoops to UW was all like <laughs> like Washington fans being like yeah he's been wearing a purple tie for two weeks on TV so it I, <laughs> those both feel yeah no. yeah absolutely uh, so yeah no no big updates there I mean honestly I feel like the next time we're talking about this will probably be when there's real news when somebody's been offered the job or hired uh, but for now I think our thoughts about it have kind of been uh, calcified in a way like mm-hmm. we know, unless somebody comes out of the woodwork we've never even thought about before uh, probably not a lot going to change uh, moving on to apple cup uh i don't know if you remember this there was a podcast recorded two years ago it was probably one of the more unwieldy podcasts we've done and it was i remember it because i was also visiting my family over thanksgiving in arizona uh and had a few beers at dinner and we started talking about the apple cup and i just ranted about all the different reasons not to like wazoo i remember that very long time uh and and here we are again i it's apple cup week again i mean not a coincidence i'm in arizona visiting family at thanksgiving 
um, as we head into another Apple Cup. I don't know if I have as many terrible things to say about them this year, but what are you thinking heading into the game this year? feels very different with UW kind of in a pointless uh, end of season playing out the string, but the game is still the Apple Cup. Do you have any kind of emotional investment going in this year? Um, Two things. One, I do have emotional investment in the Apple Cup because it's the Apple Cup, and I will have an emotional investment in every Apple Cup from Crapple Cup to what was the Gardner Minshew year from Crapple cup to very good years for both teams because I'm not a monster. And then secondly, I know exactly the episode you're talking about because I'm pretty sure that's the one where we ended up just kind of winding each other up about what what we don't like about Wazoo. And I'm not going to attempt to repeat that simply because my memory (laughs) is that I expressed everything I needed to and want to. <laughs> and if you if we should link back to that episode, because my memory is that, is that I, I, may, I don't know how articulate I was, but I do remember, if, if I remember it correctly, getting most, of, if not everything, uh, most of the things that ticked me off about Wazoo the most uh, in there. Uh, and that, that's part of it. <laughs> I'll, I'll include a snippet is just, I dislike people playing the role of underdog when they aren't. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's something that always annoys me, annoyed me. I mean, it didn't annoy me growing up about Wazoo because growing up about Wazoo with like the Apple Cup, it was like, you know, we're seven years old. Then it's like me and two of my first grade friends every year in in elementary school would like come all geared, like, you know, everyone come geared up and you'd be like, ah, ha ha, rivalry. I don't like you. Um, but then, and then as I got older and like became an adult, uh, and, you know, and everyone from growing up in high school and everything went off to college, I realized that like the thing that just annoys me and like really frustrates me about Wazoo is that they all lean into that, you know, their whole persona is like, we're the under, we're the lovable underdogs. When my experience with Wazoo is indeed that the people I know who go, went there, or who I grew up with who went there are like the op- most opposite of underdogs you could ever meet. Like much like suburban kids who like from relatively good means who like all join the same frat in high school and then complain about how they're the underdogs and UW's like, oh, you know, whatever. And I'm like, UW's where the nerds go. They're the world's underdogs. <laughs> like the kids that got beat up and like made fun of and excluded by the douchebags who pretend to be underdogs at Wazoo, they go to, like, they ended up at UW, like, fuck off, or wherever, or in my case, like, UBC. So, uh, you know, obviously I'm not saying, like, every, I have plenty of friends who are kooks. My aunt's a kook. I'm probably just going to watch it with her because I don't want to, I feel like Wazoo people and UW people are going to be so miserable this that I don't want to watch it with anyone. <laughs> Um, yeah I, there's plenty of cubes I like but as a as a collective I look upon you with disdain yeah I, I, one of the things I remember talking about um, I have a friend who always says uh, I don't want anybody to ever be rewarded for the decision to go to Wazoo which I think is a very distinct way to say it um, and and to that end there's a, an element of it like very few people choose Wazoo over UW having the option to go to either school. Of the subset of people who did make that choice, they're making the choice for reasons I don't really respect very much or to be a vet. 
<laughs> which yeah. is fine if you're a vet um you know or what you broadcast can broadcast journalist all you want. maybe maybe yeah go, yeah. go to like missouri or northwestern or something well yeah like yeah um <laughs> it's just top to bottom very few things to feel good about at that school i i i hate the fake small town like mm-hmm. crazy the uh fake country uh lifestyle whatever yeah uh, but I, I think so there's actually a football game that's going to go along with this and even though washington state is they've won five out of seven their offense has been a lot better Jaden delora looks way better than he did at the start of the year um there's still that same riddle like as bad as our coaching has been this year we still have the same system and it still functions that's essentially like drawn up in a lab to shut down an offense like a quick hitting spread pass offense that tries to get receivers to make plays in space like we've never really had better tackling cornerbacks coverage tackling cornerbacks it's not hard for me to see a version of this game where our defense smothers their passing game uh and they really can't move the ball as they haven't for seven straight years so it's i I mean it's even though we have had a much worse year than they have it's not that hard for me to imagine winning the game in fact i i might end up picking you dub to win this game even though like Ooh. it doesn't really make sense given how this game has gone <laughs> um yeah I, I i definitely agree with you about the tackling cornerbacks and that frankly that's something i've one of the silver linings this year i think has been watching kyler gordon improve um like in every facet um because he used to just be a freak athlete at corner and now he's a freak athlete and a corner um like a really truly and it's really fun to watch um yeah i, I will give this year's wazoo offense more credit that like the run and shoot is a more dynamic um system than mike leach's pure air raid um but yeah for the most part i i do agree with you i am i will fully admit like i'm more i will not be comfortable until max borgie leaves there like he's an annoying little shit but i i he's good at what he does um really so, like i would love to have him on any other team He'd be one of my favorite players if he's on. He's great. Yeah. Really fun to watch. And I hate him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm sure I wouldn't hate him if, like, <laughs> I'm sure I wouldn't hate him if he wasn't a kook, but he is so <laughs> suck it. Yeah. Um, I, I think you're right about they're less reliant on the pure air raid, air it out style than they were under Leach. But I watched most of the games against Arizona. Even though they played great and dominated Arizona, I'm watching their offensive line with the super wide splits. And the when they do try to run Borgie, it just looks like all of the things the teams have done to kind of like pin our uh, linebackers uh, and, and like go one-on-one with our interior defensive linemen to create uh, running lanes. It just can't work with the scheme that they use. Like maybe Borgie will get free on runs to the uh, edge a couple of times, but I have more faith in our secondary stepping up to make tackles and preventing those from going for, for big plays. And they just don't really use the move the chains type of runs that have been kind of bludgeoning to our defenses here. It, mm-hmm. It's kind of hard for me to imagine them getting to 30 points against us. Although you could also say it's hard to imagine us getting to 30 points with our yeah. offensive general performance honestly i could see this game being a lot like the the one that we just watched this weekend <laughs> like just mm-hmm. like just a total comedy of errors and like washington's defense doing everything they need to do to keep uw in it 
and theoretically, you know, maybe we'll have improved since last week offensively. But if I were a gambling woman, uh, no, I think I, for me, I kind of feel like this is a bit of a toss up. Um, but it yeah, is the outcome. I, I mean, I think, it, but even even if it's a toss up, we're talking about a seven win team playing a four win team, and I, it's hard to imagine it not coming down to the last five minutes, um, which has a lot to do with the style of the team's play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, any final thoughts on that? I, I we have to move quickly due to our um, awful technical constraints and situations. But uh, nonetheless, I wanted to get something out for the Apple Cup, and thanks everybody for bearing with us. Uh, any final thoughts on that before we move on to our closing? Um, no. Well, I will give I will give Wazoo credit for their cheese Cougar Gold whoops ass and. Anyone who pretends it doesn't is trying too hard to hate them. Uh, credit where it's due. Vet school, really good cheese. So, you know, there we go. Why not? You know how you can uh, get around that is by just not knowing what that is. I don't have to give them any credit for it. That is that is fair. You could you could do that, but it is, it's really good. <laughs> you, you should, you should, you should, you should, you should know what it is and then you should shove it in your face. <laughs> Well, I'm not getting any this week because yeah. I'm not in Washington. I don't think they sell it in uh, Phoenix. But, but uh, it does. Is that your recommendation, Cooper Gold Cheese? Do you have anything else you want to recommend? Well, I think no. I I have uh, two. I have two. Well, one's a request and one is a plug. Uh, my request is that Georgetown or that one brewery on the Ave that I forget on the west side of the Ave that I forget what it's called starts Rock with the uh no i don't remember i did a show there once um i want some i think there's some i think it's a waste of nil that a local brewery hasn't created a race porter yet and honestly big time (laughs) yes it's big time producer colin just yeah um i think it's big time yeah that's what i'm thinking of yeah Um, that's right that's what i was bottom yeah that's what i was trying to think of it um well yeah it's it's a waste of nil that race porter has gone through his final year at uw and no brewery has created the race porter if anyone here is listening and is like hey i own a brewery you know i'm sure we're really popular in even home brewers yeah was it oh yeah even yeah home breweries yeah, make your shitty home beer. Uh, oh, wait, I like that idea. Um, anyone who home brews here, uh, make your own race porter and then send it to us. And then we will mm-hmm. determine which one can be the race porter, um, which I'm sure would not require any uh, uh, name, image, likeness, rights, sign offs or anything. Um, we'll get that worked out. Yeah. As for, I don't have a plug or anything. Can you imagine just what? getting a bottle of, of, can you just imagine getting a bottle of beer in the mail from a stranger? Mm-hmm. It's like, marked on it, like, not poison. Yeah, it would be like that one time um, that they sent anthrax to 30 Rock uh, in like 2002. <laughs> um, except for, hopefully, it won't kill me. Um, yeah, otherwise, I don't have any plugs, but uh, Marissa, I think it was Marissa and Emmy, it was someone with the Seattle Times who wrote a cool article today about the um, uh, women's ice hockey club, which mm-hmm. is starting their inaugural year this year. 
um, uh, which is just a, I recommend reading that. It's not like a super long thing. It's just a cool thing that a few gals started up. And from my understanding, they have a few, a hand, like, you know, some players who have played before who are, um, including some who are with the Washington Wild um, Girls Hockey Association, and then some who like have never played at all. And I think it's going to be fun to watch where that club goes over the next, you know, decade or whatever, because back to Liberty, actually, I have a friend who I have a hockey teammate who went there um, back when she, uh, you know, before before she got very much uh, jaded from how much Liberty sucks. Um, and they like started her their, their ice their club when she was there, like, 13 or 14 years ago. Um, and now they're like ranked number one and uh, the I think it's the D1 ACHA. Um, so that's cool. And I think, you know, I, I think it'll be cool to watch as the as the Kraken, you know, make their presence here um, known and more girls, just like kids start playing hockey, there'll like naturally be, you know, some that just a greater talent pool that end up and here. And I think that could be a fun thing to to watch and support. The uh, the men's team is already, you know, they've been around for a while and they're ACHA D2 and um, not like superstars or anything, but you, you like, frankly, they're fun to watch. <laughs> like I saw, I saw the end of their Oregon game after um, I had a game at Kraken Ice Flex and then went up to the bar with some, with some other people. And we just like watched the end of them and it's super fun. And I think, uh, yeah, I think everyone should, should um, go read that support them because hockey is kind of expensive and it's cool to see see a new UW sport happen even if it is you know club and not varsity and whatever it's still cool to, to support that so uh yeah I, I guess that counts as a plug why not yeah sounds good I don't have anything exciting I've been watching a lot of UW basketball the last week and enjoying it surprisingly after the last couple of years I've been kind of torturous a lot so if you've also tuned out of the Mike Hopkins era uh, the players that transferred in this year have been like a breath of fresh air. Just the sense that they're, they're, they played super hard and kind of crazy and seem like they're having an incredibly good time, like lots of laughing and um, high fives and hugging and stuff. That just, it, it like, it doesn't really matter. That doesn't really affect the outcome of the game. But it, like, there's so much more fun to watch than the like just screaming at the referees and uh, everything just being non competitive. Uh, I'm going to go for recording right now as they're playing South Dakota State, who was actually favored to beat UW by six today, which is crazy. But um, Huskies are holding steady with a uh, seven-point lead middle of the second half. So after we're done, I'm going to go watch the end of that game. And if people have not watched them, it's worth, you know, tuning in. I think they play, uh, God, I'm drawing a blank, Nevada tomorrow in the third day of this three-day round robin. And that could be an entertaining game. It should be, you know, Nevada is always uh, pretty well coached and uh, should be uh, another game. Good test for them to see if they're actually getting any better. Yeah, go dogs. I think there's something to be said about just watching players that are having fun is fun, mm -hmm. even if the team sucks. Yeah, I mean, like the first couple of times I watched them, I was like, what is PJ Fuller even doing? Like, he, does he do anything? Like, And he was shooting horribly in those first couple of games and he's like very very quickly turned the corner and i watched them play uh on monday night whatever i've completely lost sense of what day is which uh when they beat george mason in a really entertaining game and fuller just did everything he went from doing nothing to doing everything very quickly just great passes getting in transition making you know 
like Matisse Tybalt type steal at the top of the key, getting big rebounds, making free throws at the end of the game to seal it. Really impressive. I, I've been enjoying the PJ Fuller experience a lot more than I thought I would. Anyway, that wraps it up. I think. Um, thanks for sticking with us for Apple Cup Week. Uh, hoping for good things, even if the the odds makers and the numbers are not pointing in our direction. Maybe that'll make it more fun this year if we actually pull something out. So thanks for listening. Go dogs. Go dogs. And uh, next time we will not be Blair Witch projecting your earballs. For that, <laughs> you're welcome.